I would like to talk about uh, a particular issue that also has currency and which is uh, reflected in the beginning of this parasha and the end of the parasha of Shoftim. You know that the end of the parasha of Shoftim, the beginning of the parasha of Kitetzei, are about certain aspects of war, what might be called uh, the morality of war. How are you supposed to act? How are you supposed to deploy yourself? So the first pasuk in our parasha, here in Kitetzei, which I'm looking at, that's the first pasuk of our of our parasha of the parasha of Kitetzei. Rashi says Kitetzei lebilchama bevolchemet arishut bechadu bedaber. Bechemet arishut bechemet arishut means abilchama in order to expand the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael. You know, there are, in the Torah, there are different boundaries to Eretz Yisrael. Yoshua Binun, his Eretz Yisrael is mostly from the Jordan and West. Even though it's true that Reuven God and Chatzis Shevet Menashe, for them, Eretz Yisrael was already the land of Sichon and Og, which is on the eastern side of, uh, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And besides that, there are gulot, uh, the haftacha, that go up to the, uh, the Tigris, the Euphrates, you know, including what we call today Iraq. All of that is also part of Eretz Israel, in a manner of speaking. So that means that if the Melachim in Eretz Israel decided to expand the boundaries of Eretz Israel, uh, the halacha is that they can't do that until they conquer Eretz Yisrael west of the Jordan. But they, it could be, it could be that they would decide to go and fight east, right, the Golan Heights, uh, Syria, Iraq, right, that's David HaMelech did, right, and the Gemara calls that Kibush Yachid, gave it a name, the conquest of the Golan by David HaMelech is called Kibush Yachid. Kibush Yachid means that it did not have the approval. This Kibush, this conquest, did not have the approval of the Sanhedrin. Usually the king is supposed to kind of consult with the Sanhedrin to find out whether the time is the proper time. But David HaMelech didn't do that, and that's why his conquest it's called Kibush Yachid. And not a Kibush Tzibur. The Sanhedrin represents the entire nation of Israel. So in any event, let's look at the Rashi again. Rashi says, Right, we're talking about an optional battle. A battle to expand the boundaries. A battle that you didn't have to wage. And then Rashi goes on and says, Muhammad Eretz Yisrael, he says the end of the Pasuk, right? The end of the Pasuk has these words, which means you will, um, you will trap uh, the, uh, those who are going to be trapped. Right? Uh, so Rashi says, When you go, Yoshua bin Nun is going to conquer Eretz Yisrael, you don't take any captives. 
you have to kill everybody. means that no one should live. No one's going to get through this battle. Which battle? The battle of Eretz Yisrael proper. It means to the west of the Jordan River. That's what Rashi says. So that this pasuk must be talking about Milchemet Rishut. It must be. Because only in a Milchemet Rishut could you have the Shavita Shivyot. The next pasuk says, oh, the Shavita Shivyot, Rashi. See Rashi is another Rashi, the Rabot Kinaanim. Shebitocha, Baba Pishaheim, Mishiva Umot. So Rashi makes, makes an interesting point. He says, what happens if the Canaanites Right, the Shiva Amemim run away and they live in uh, outside of Eretz Israel. So they can also be saved. You don't have to kill them. Right? The Rabot Kedanim Shebetocha, the Afopishahem Mishiva Umot. And so what is it that, that the, the Pasukim are going to talk about? Reitab Shivya, Ishtibatoa, the Chashak Labab, the Chatham Isha. So the Pasuk says, you could, you could have a dilemma. A soldier out in the middle of nowhere, and there's no hope that he's going to be home in the near future. He could, uh, he could decide that he wants uh, that he's in love with a woman, but the Torah says, what the Torah does here is, is put limitations on him. You can't do whatever you want. You can't act in any way that you want. Pasuk Whatever the reasons, whatever the reasons of this whole process of the Eishet is, what it means to me is that the soldier is restricted. He can't do whatever he wants. He can't act in a way that is that could be called barbaric. He can't go and cut off a head like somebody did in Iraq. You, you can't. You can't do that. You have to live according to. Rules that are set up, and that's what we call morality. So that in the war, which Rashi says is a war of reshut, there are rules, and some of the rules have to do with Eshet Yifatoah. And you can't do, you can't act in a, a non-acceptable manner when you're a soldier. Okay, that's what that's what these two can say. That's the that's the topic. Now, if we look back at the next, at the next source, which is from Tvarim Perikaf, Tvarim Perikaf, it says the following. This is generally talking about war. Rashi says, again, he says we must be talking about we must be talking about chemistry shoot because of chemet mitzvah what's a chemet mitzvah either the mitzvah kibush eretz yisrael or uh, if you're attacked if you're attacked then you're you're in danger that's also called the chemet of chemet mitzvah. Milchemet Rishut Rashi says is where you say Karata Ilal Shalom. What if it's a Milchemet Mitzvah? You just go in and fight. Right? You're, what do we mean? You're not going to call. You're not going to call out and say, uh, "Let's make peace." 
פסוק י"א, ויען שלום תענך, ופתחה לך והיה כל העם הנמצא בה, יהיו לך למס ועבדוך. So that's the, if they accept your, uh, your entreaties, and they are willing to, uh, uh, to make peace, so then uh, uh, they become slaves. They become taxed and slaves in uh, in uh, the new world that the war is that the war is building. So Rashi says, "Kol adamim tzaba afilu atam otzeba b'shivat umot shenitzavit elafrimein atarashai lekaimam." So again, Rashi says, even if you find in this war, in this city, which is the Chabadrish should, you find Canaanites, the Shiva Abamin, you can let them live. You don't have to put them, uh, uh, you don't have to destroy them. Lamas Vavaducha, Achi Kablu Alehem, Misim Vishiyabud, that they have to accept a lower status. I mean, these people that you conquered or that you captured out in the middle of nowhere, they have to accept a lower status. Now, pasuk yud bet, pasuk yud bet. V'imlot hashlim imach, v'asta imach melchama, v'tzarta aleha. Right? If they don't agree to peace, then you have to go to war against them, and you have to lay siege to them. Right? V'imlot hashlim rashi imcha v'asta imcha melchama, akatuv v'vaserecha. So this is like an interesting, an interesting point that Rashi makes. He says, you know, sometimes you know what the end game is. So if you say, let's make peace, and if they say, well, no, we're not, uh, we, we don't want to make peace. I mean, we're not bothering you, don't bother us. If you leave, if you take your army away and then uh, you just won't be able you won't be able to depend on the future at the end they will come and try to get you Vitsarta Aleha right this is in Pasuk Yud Bet Vitsarta Aleha you lay siege to it in lahar iva mita mitat tafluim right you you lay siege to it. There's no, we won't let them have water. You don't let them have food, <laughs> and they 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 will die in great suffering, right? From great suffering. Pasuk Yud Gimel and Itana Hashem Elokecha Biyadcha Vikita Kol Zichurah Lefi Charev. Rakan Hashim Vatafa Veima Vekol Hashem Yetzayir Ba'ir Kol Shlala Tavoz Lecha Vachaltet Shlal. Okay, so then you have to go to war. So according to Rashi, according to Rashi in both uh, in both cases, what happens in Eretz Israel? What happens when Yoshua bin Nun comes to Eretz Israel to fight against the seven nations and to drive them out? Does he send them a message that says peace? Let's make peace, according to Rashi? Certainly not. Is anybody allowed to live? Certainly not. In Eretz Israel, even though Rashi doesn't talk about Eretz Israel, but by implication, he talks about 
far, a, a place that's far away. But by implication, by implication we know that in Eretz Yisrael the battles are all ultimate. They are there, they're, they're driven out, there's nobody who, uh, who gains, uh, uh, has any, any peaceful uh, solution for the people in Eretz Yisrael. Now, this is not the case for other Rishonim. If you look first at the Rambam, if you turn the page, you see the last source of the sheet. The last source of the sheet is the Rambam. The Rambam says, says this. I mean, everything the Rambam says is come, it has sources, but we're not interested in the sources. The Rambam says, Shlosha ketavim shalach Yoshua Right, there were three letters that Yoshua bin Nun sent to the people who live in what we call today Eretz Israel. Right, the western side of the Jordan River. Whoever wants to run away and doesn't want to fight against us, let him run away. Chazar v'shalach Bishar otzel ha'shlim Yashlim Like that Pesach in Perikah Yoshua Benun said Whoever wants to make peace Can make peace Yashlim Yashlim V'chazar v'shalach Bishar otzel ha'sot melchama Ya'aseh So there were three letters The first letter Yoshua Benun said Whoever wants to run away Should run away the second set of letter said, whoever wants to make peace, should make peace. And the third letter said, whoever wants to go to war with us, will go to uh, war with us. Okay? So now, So, so that's the case of the, Ram, the Rambam says, why did the people who live in Giv'on, why did they lie? Because the people who lived in Giv'on um, shouldn't have lied. They should just come and say that they wanted to make peace. They sent, he sent these letters to everybody in Eretz Israel, and the Gibeonites didn't answer. They didn't, they didn't really receive anything. So what happened? First he sent the letter and said, you want to run away? Run away. Then he sent the letters, you want to make peace? Make peace. Then he sent the letters, you want to make war? Make war. What about the Givonim? The Givonim said, we don't know. If we're going to lose, we'd rather make peace. But if we're going to win in the battle, we'll go to war. I mean, that was the Givonim. They didn't have, they didn't have very smart people in the Memshalah of Givon. So because of that, they didn't answer. They did not answer. He says, They didn't understand the rules of the, uh, of the Jewish jurisprudence. And they thought that if you didn't answer immediately when the letter was sent, so you're out of the running. You can't say peace if you didn't answer. It didn't answer peace. So he says, uh, the Lama, 
כאשר הדבר לנשיאים ראו ישראל הקלטם לפי חרב לולי השבועה. And therefore the Gibeonites came later and they lied. They said, we, we, we got lost, it was hard to get here. They, they, they made themselves, they covered themselves with dirt and dust as though they'd come from a, from a terribly long journey. And they said, and they said forgive us for not answering right away. We wanted to, but we couldn't. We couldn't answer right away. And then Yoshua was, uh, Yoshua was fooled. And he, and he said that he would, um, he would protect them. He made a, an oath that he would take care of them and protect them. And because of the oath that he made, because of the oath that he made, the nation Kartula and Brit, they, they, they agreed. But what happened to the Gibeonites was that they turned into slaves. They became a slave, a slave caste. The Rabbah says, since the Gibeonites lied, and they said that it took them a long time to get here, when that wasn't the truth, they were right there. Very easy for them to come, and very easy for them to answer. Yoshua Binun, nevertheless, even though he had every right to punish them, he didn't want to punish them, because it would have led to Chilu Hashem. But of Lechel people would say that they were killed for no reason at all, and here they listened to Yoshua Binun, and uh, and they did not. They listened to Yoshua Binun, but they didn't get uh, the support that Yoshua Binun promised that there would be peace. So you see that there's a kind of a different take on things. According to Rashi, the implication in Rashi is that the people in Eretz Yisrael, the seven nations in Eretz Yisrael, they simply uh, were not, uh, they had no, uh, uh, there was no way to save them. They had to be killed, all of them. And it says, Lo kol that's what the Pasuk says. Rashi, uh, the Rambam, seems to be going along in a different path. And he says, well, it depends. It depends on if you accept peace, you accept peace. If you leave, you leave. And this explains where Rashi thought, why Rashi thought that there would be Canaanites outside of Canaan, outside of the, in the other places. That's what... Uh, so we, we see there's a kind of a different point of view. And the Rambam's point of view, of course, comes from sources. But those sources are explained in the Ramban. And that's what we want to look at. And there's an important contribution, important, uh, what, what would I say? Important Hidush in the Ramban. This Ramban is a Perekah. Right, Pasuk Yud. You see the Ramban? On the first side, on the, 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 the first side of the page. First he quotes Rashi. Rashi says Muhammad Rashut. Muhammad Rashut means it's not on the land of Israel. It's not about the land of Israel. So when you go to fight battles in Eretz Israel, 
You don't have the obligation to call out in peace, to offer peace to the nations. The Ramban says, Katava Rab Zebisifri Sheshanusham. He says the source for this idea is the Sifri, the Sheshanusham Kilashonazeh. The says it's true that those words appear in the Sifri, but the Ramban says the Ramban says Akavana the Rabbeinu bekatuv azeh eina elolamasha parasha besofa techalek beinshtei amilchamot avakriata shalom afilu melchem mitzvahi. In, in, in other words, he, he reads it differently. He says that this pasuki kitravel ili lafein aleha. When you come to a city and you want to fight against the city, that means any city at any time, even the cities in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, uh, this pasuk doesn't really differentiate between the Mohammed Rishut. So we have a machlok, a machlok between Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi says that the wars of uh, the Jewish wars in Eretz Israel are without compassion. Right? You don't have to. Uh, there's no shalom. There's no vikarata alayla shalom. It's just uh, uh, all those people who are idolaters in Eretz Israel have to be destroyed. And then the Ramban goes on and says, in the fourth line, I'm sorry, Shechayavim l'kol l'shalom, afilu shibatavim, line five. Sharei Moshe kara l'shalom l'sichon melech ha'amori. He says, he's got, I've got to be right. He says, the Ramban. I, I can't, I mean, no, today, nobody <coughs> argues with Rashi. But the Ramban lived in a time when you still could argue with Rashi. And so what is his argument? He says that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he fought against Sichon, Melech Emory, right? When he fought, fought against uh, uh, Sichon, Melech Emory, he said, do you want to make peace with us? And according to Rashi, by saying he wanted that, that was Eretz Yisrael, right? The land of Sichon and Oltas, where Ruben got and Chazich Menosh, even though you could say something about it. But let's be sort of like straight. Well, what does the Ramban mean? He means that's also Eretz Yisrael. Where Ruben got and Chazich Eved Menosh were, that's Eretz Yisrael. Sharei Moshe Karad Shalom, Sichon Melech Amori. Below Haya Over Laseva Lotas say, that's what it says in the Pasuk. You should make them chayrim. Put them out of the world. There's a different kind of distinction. A different kind of distinction is not so important for us. Let's go on. The Ramban says in line 9. 
ועוד בתנחומר וגמרא ירושלמי אמר רבי שבור ורבי נחמני יהושע בן נון קיים הפרשה הזו מה עשה יהושע? היה שולח מכתבים הוא עושה לטרס בכל מקום שהיה הולך לכבוש והיה כותב בה מי שמבקש להשלים יבוא וישלים מי שמבקש מלך לא ילך לו ומי שמבקש לעשות מלחמה יעשה מלחמה זאת אומרת זאת אומרת זה מה שהרמב״ם אומר זה מה שהרמב״ם אומר somehow Rashi overlooked all of this Rashi overlooked all of this ומי שמבקש לעשות מלחמה יעשה מלחמה הגרגשי פנה הגרגשי one of the seven nations is called גרגשי הוא פנה הגבעונים שהשלימו עשה להם יהושע שלום שלושים ואחד מלאכים שבאו להילחם הפילם הקדוש ברוך הוא וכולי that's in the פסוקים in יהושע וככה מה כתוב בכולם, יסי יהושע פרק י"א פוסק י"ט לא הייתה עיר אשר השלימה אל בני ישראל בלתי אחיבי יושב גבעון את הכל לקחו במלחמה כי all the cities of ארץ ישראל fought against יהושע כי מעת השם הייתה לחזק את ליבם לקראת המלחמה את ישראל למען החרימים וכלל שהם רצו להשלים היו משלימים עמהם אוקיי so we understand that there's a מחלוקת between Rashi and the Ramban Rashi says that in Eretz Yisrael there's no, no uh, you, you, you can't give any leniency everybody has to be killed everybody has to be driven out of Eretz Yisrael According to the Ramban, the Karate Alel Shalom includes the Karate Alel Shalom includes uh, the cities in Eretz Yisrael. This is Machloket. Now I want to ask you. I want to ask you. Yoshua bin Nun. Remember Yoshua bin Nun? When he came to Eretz Yisrael, he sent spies. He sent Miraglim into Eretz Yisrael. Now the question that I always asked was why did he do that? Why did he send Miraglin? If you say that he sent Miraglin in order to find out the military weaknesses of the enemy I mean that sounds reasonable but after all Yoshua bin Nun had a promise from HaKadosh Baruch that he would win be victorious in all his battles And when he came to Yericho, they ran around Yericho and they blew the shofar and the walls came tumbling down. Remember? Right, the walls came. So if the walls are going to come tumbling down when you blow the shofar, why would you send, why would you send uh, a spies? I mean, what could they spy out if you're coming armed with a shofar and the shofar is going to make the wall collapse? So what are the spies supposed to be doing? That's one question. The second question about the story is, isn't it true that Yoshua bin Nun, he was a spy. And he knew how bad the spies were for B'nai Yisrael. I mean, weren't they... I mean, what happened with the spies? They came back to, 
to the people, and the people said, we don't want to go. So why would Yeshua ben Nun send spies? Second question. Right, the third question was, what did these spies exactly do when they came to Yericho? They went to the house of Rechav Zonah. Now, I can't imagine that anybody could prove to me that Rechav Zonah was a kind of a military objective. Like she was a, a general of the uh, of the Eretz Yisrael army. Of all the, who was Rechav Zonah? And then when they come back to... But what did Rechav Zonah do? She... She helped them to escape, but helped escape and they to run away, and they, they ran away, and they escaped, and everything's fine. But what has that got to do with being a spy? What does the story of Rahab Zonah have to do with being a spy? So, so I tell you, in Yoshua, Rachav Zonah, a parting speech from the uh, from the spies. Right, you know they're on their roof, and the police are coming, and Rachav Zonah is going to get them down. They'll climb down to the other side of the roof and run away, and they're going to be saved. As this is going on, Rachav Zonah decides to make a little speech and talk to the spies, and this is what she says. This is in Yoshua Perikbet. She says the following to the to the uh, to the Anashim, to the spies. Yadati. I know that God has given this land to you. And that we are in mortal fear of you. Everybody's melted. Right? Melting is a kind of a synonym for fear. Everybody's melted before you. We all heard about what happened at Yamsuf, that the water split. And you came through. What you did to Sichon and to Og. This is what she says. Your God is the only true God. Your God is the God of heaven. And your God is the God of earth. Right? She's a paid political announcement. That's what she says. And when they, when they come back to, uh, to, uh, to Yoshua Binun, these two spies, the Pasuk says, We are Shubu, 
They told Yoshua Binun the story. They told him what, what story did they tell them? That God has given this land to us, They're all afraid of us. What do you mean they're all afraid of us? Why are they all afraid? Why is it that in Eretz Yisrael they have the cities and walled cities as the original Miraglim said? Why are they afraid? They're afraid because they know that this is God's will. That God wants them to conquer Eretz Yisrael. And knowing that God wants them to conquer Eretz Yisrael they're consumed by fear. They don't think that they can ever overcome. So if I ask the question again, I say why? Did Yoshua Binun send the Ragnar? Well, he wanted to know what the people in Eretz Yisrael thought about him, Am Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, the conquest of Yisrael. And so, so he sent the Ragnar. Where did he tell the Ragnar to go? To, to go to, to simple people. To go to regular people, to go to people who know about what's going on, the grassroots. So they went to Rachava Zona. There's a regular person, right? A, a person who has no heirs. And what did she say, Rachava Zona? We all know who you are. We know who you are, that you were sent by God, that God is going to conquer the land and take it away from us and give it to you. We all know that. And we heard about Yitzhak the tribe, we heard about Yamsuk, we heard about all of these things, and we know about all of these things. So I say again, why did Yoshua Benun send the Miraglim? Well, he wanted to find out what they thought of Eretz Israel, because even though Akadosh Bokhan told Yoshua Benun that he would be victorious, Yoshua Benun didn't know if he had the right to conquer Eretz Yisrael because in Yitzhak Mitzrayim Yitzhak Mitzrayim right, we all know that the, that the punishment the punishment for the Egyptians was extremely severe and the question that is asked by the Nefoshim is why were they punished so severely? Are they doing what God told Adam and Bina they're going to do? I mean, I mean, okay, so they, they, they took the Jews and they made them work hard. And they made them build cities. But isn't it true that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Adam Avinu that they would be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years? So what do we want for these poor Egyptians who did it on their own? So the answer that the Roshonim all give is, yes, but they did it more. They did more than they should have done. And therefore they were punished. And so what does Yoshua Binun want to find out? He wants to find out if the people in Eretz Kinah, if the people in Eretz Kinah understand what is happening to them. Because if they don't understand what is happening to them, how could they be blamed for defending their own homes, for defending their own place, for being, for being partial to the world that they live in? So he wanted to find out that when the spies came back and they said to Yeshua, yeah, yeah, you know that, that we know who you are. 
We know about Yitziat Mitzrayim. We know about Yamsuf. We know about all of those things. And therefore, and therefore, Yoshua Benun could send the letters. And the letters that said, if you want to run away, you can run away. If you want to make peace, you can make peace. If you want to go to war, or go to war. Because Yoshua Benun knew that they knew. That they knew who B'nai Yisrael were. They weren't just Mongolian hordes coming upon Eretz Yisrael, but they were the people who God had chosen to inherit the land and everybody in Eretz Yisrael also, also knew that. So the machloket between, machloket between Rashi and the Ramban, or Rashi on the one side of the Ramban, is that the Ramban and the Rambam talk about the perspective of Yoshua bin Nun. Can we kill them? In other words, it's true that God gave the permission, but they wanted to know if they were uh, uh, understood what the issue was. Because if they just saw that people are coming from the wilderness to conquer the land of Israel, so that, okay, I mean, what would be, uh, why would it be so important? Uh, that they defended themselves. Of course they're going to defend themselves. Of course they're going to go to war. But why? What did they do wrong? What did they do wrong? The Canaanites at this time. So Yeshua bin Nun, Yeshua bin Nun said, I want to find out who they are. I want to find out what they are thinking. What is happening. Because if they think that we are the Mongolian hordes who came to destroy uh, ancient Rome then I have a problem I'm not sure that we can carry out the directive even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu told us that we would win in the battle having found out from the miraculous that they knew who we were and they knew why they were there and they understood that Yeshua and said well in that case anybody anybody who uh, so uh, anybody who wants to go to war with us will have to suffer the consequences. And that's what the book of Yoshua says. All the cities, all the cities in Canaan were destroyed by the, uh, the, the Jewish army because they knew very well what it meant, what it meant uh, uh, to be uh, overwhelmed by those who carried the banner of Akkadish Baruch. So you see, I think that morals, a moral war, acting morally in war, is not always an easy thing. It's not always easy to know. I'm not talking, uh, speaking so much about the technicality of it, but it's not always easy to know what you should do. Should you go to the left, should you go to the right? Should you do this? Should you do that? And we see that this is rooted in directives that the Torah itself gave us. And the Torah said, you might think that war is a time of hefkerit, a time when people do whatever they want and act in the most unlikely and despicable ways. But at the beginning of the parasha of Kitei we're talking about an unnamed she doesn't have a family, she doesn't have a name, she doesn't have anything protecting her. And the Torah says, even though we're at war, 
with her family, with her brothers, with her, uh, the weapons that they have. We have to protect this ancient Yipratah. It's also true that peace is an option. That's what the Torah says. That war is the last resort. It's only after peace has been rejected. I mean, peace rejected by people who understand what they are, what they are rejected. So sometimes I think we find ourselves here in uh, Eretz Israel, in Yerushalayim, that we find ourselves always facing this dilemma of, uh, of where we going, and uh, what's going to be. I saw in an article someplace or other somebody said somebody said about the, the situation we are going to serve. He said, I have two great fears. I have two great fears. One is that there will be a Palestinian state, and the other is that there won't be a Palestinian state. Those are two great fears, and I think that uh, we can understand, understand that anybody who tries to uh, simplify the issues involved is probably leading us astray. These issues are not simple, not obvious, and the Torah has kind of directed us in this uh, this matter. Okay, have a good shot.